0: Say this after me. Lord, influence me this afternoon. So Father, I just want to thank you so much that you will continue to keep speaking to us in such a way that it's going to be so clear that it won't come across any condemnative way, but it will bring refreshment and at the end of the day that you will see your children walking in freedom. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I want to talk this evening... Is basically uh, one topic that usually uh, in in the church, predominantly where I grew up in a in a so-called uh, ultra Pentecostal church, where it's kind of shunned, not necessarily uh, you know talked uh, about. It's called the area of lust, and uh, so I would like to talk about it. I was thinking when to talk. I was praying about it, but this is not a topic that's going to be just once off. But I believe you know various seasons of life. We will talk about it because I think it's one of the most needed subject in the body of Christ. And what we're going to do is, I just have some PowerPoints here. So we'll just go with that, love versus lust. Uh, This is not going to finish today, so it's going to roll over to next week also. So this is going to be a part one of love versus lust. And then we will see how it goes Next week, just the scripture, 1 John 2, 16 says, For everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. But before I go into the subject itself, let me back it up a little bit and share my journey. At the age of 9 or 10, I can't remember exactly, I was introduced by my friends to pornography, and I got caught into that. Uh, addicted for almost 10 years, uh, and then God delivered me. And I was, uh, I can truly say I live a life of freedom uh, because of what the Holy Spirit did in my life. But I lived uh, under the addiction of that. And because of the exposure to pornography, my view towards women was different. I was uh, all in a relationship, sexually active and stuff like that. But the Lord came through and then he set me free. So this is why I wanted to talk this and in our staff, especially the male staff, they know uh, we openly keep this because they don't hide it under the carpet, even though in Indian homes there are no carpet, there is an invisible carpet, we kind of hide it in a sense like it's not a big deal, but then all of a sudden it erupts and all of a sudden, you know, suddenly you see marriages uh, split or even relationships goes south. It's a really a tremendous challenge we face. We were in UK early part of this year, and there was a church invited us. They ran a seminar on this area of overcoming addiction, especially in the area of pornography. And they came to realize that one in five UK women are addicted to pornography. And that's a, that's a starking reality of what's going on right now. It used to be 20 years used to before. It, it is not like that. But somehow the enemy is even pulling women into this whole area of lust and, uh, and sexual immorality and pornography, which has brought a, brought down the church to a place where there is no real authority. The church has power, but no authority. It's two different things. Power is to do with money and buildings and, you know, yeah, that's, that's even the big Catholic churches. They have lots of buildings and um, humongous properties. And, but that's not a big deal, you know. But authority is when your words matches your action. And I'm praying that Papa's house will be a house that we will be, uh, our, when our words will match our action. Amen. So what is love? What is lust? Love is from heaven. Lust is from hell. Love says i can wait lust says i can't wait it's really urgent love says no worries it's okay lust says if i don't get what i what i want then i'm really worried love says it's okay i forgive you and let let it go lust says i am not satisfied until i get it love says let me give you some space to breathe lust says no 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 it's not possible i will keep Smothering you until I get what I want. And we need to really talk about it, address this with no shame. Why? Because ignorance is, if you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. Ignorance is generational. Because in the Hindu culture, we think ignorance is a bliss. It's kind of like, oh, it's the more you don't know, the better you are. But I think the more you don't know, the more chances you're going to fail. And so ignorance is generational. For example, when you take about the topic of lust or sex, uh, religion shuns it, world celebrates it, kingdom empowers it. What does the religion do? If you go to your religious organization or any place, you go and say, hey, you know what, Uh, I'm battling with this lust. They will say, hmm. You cannot be, how can you be called uh, John Mark? And then you have this problem. They will shun you. They will shame you. They will uh, make you feel like you are the worst sinner in the world. But this guy will be having a problem with gluttony, which is commonly accepted in the church. Or self-pity, which is also commonly accepted. Or unforgiveness, which is also commonly accepted in the church. But whenever a guy comes and says, hey man, I am dealing with this challenge It shuns it and they will look down on you as if like you are, you're rotting, you're going to be rot in hell. But then if you go to the world, the world will say, hey man, only one life, just celebrate it. There's no future, just spoil yourself, get wasted. Have you heard the term, you know, I'm just getting wasted. And literally they do get wasted, that's how they do that, you know, it's part of life. But I believe kingdom, in other words, they don't shun it or celebrate it, they empower it. In other words... The very design of sex—it's from God. God designed sex. Imagine God didn't ask us to lay an egg, and every two hours you have to sit on it. So we think, "Oh man, let's not talk about this from devil," because that's how religion has brought shame into it. So we never talk about it. So, but the world you say is all sorts of nonsense because the first thing you will encounter about any subject is how you're going to judge the rest of the matter. So at 9 or 10 years old, I can't pinpoint exactly, I was exposed to this whole area of sex through pornography. So every time when I view, I viewed through that goggles. So I need the help of the Holy Spirit to remove those things and wear His perspective. So I went to church, they said they demonized me. I went to the world, they celebrated me. But until I came to the kingdom, I got a real empowerment. So I really want to open this subject in a such a way that we don't have shame about it. That I just wanted to talk a little bit about love because there are five types of love. Uh, we will talk about it next week, but I'm just going to give you a preview. You can write it down. The first one is God's love for God because God so loved himself, he gave his son. So, so God enjoys himself. You can't say God is bored, so you don't know what to do. All the three of them got into an argument. So let's say, let's make a mankind and throw some suffering into that. And then we will go and play a hero game. And, and then finally, they're all going to come and sing Kumbaya. That's, that's ridiculous. If we think like that, you know, but I believe God uh, is so much in love with himself, he could express that. So that's the first kind of love, God's love for God. And the second one, God's love for his people, abundance of that love kind of releases to us. That's why God so loved the world, he gave his son, you know, and uh, and then the third one is our love for God. And the fourth one, our love for ourselves. And then The fifth one, our love for others. So these are the five. We will elaborately talk about it next week. But I just want to highlight what is love. God's love for God and God's love for us and our love for God and our love for ourselves and our love for others. And people will say, oh, you have to love just the way you love yourself. But they don't even know how to love themselves. How can they love themselves if they don't know who loved them? there is a there is a sequence in it so we will unpack it next week but but let's talk a little bit about the lust issue and then we will continue uh, what is lust lust doesn't start with the heart it starts with the eye it doesn't start with the heart it starts with the eye in other words the lie of the enemy is like this i will look but i won't touch I'm, when I talk lust, it's not just necessarily a sexual area, but it's to every area of your life. You know, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It could be, it could be finances, it could be materialistic, it could be envy, jealousy, whatever area. It, it all starts with looking. One thing that I have learned over the years, the Lord told me this, just two words, don't look. That's it. So, that's why it's keep your focus changes, you know. When you focus on something, it grows. Peter focused on Jesus, he walked on water. Peter focused on water, he started drowning. So, let's read some scriptures. Psalms 103 verse 3 says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. And this is something he makes a determination. He says, I will not look into stuff. So, and one fine day, the Holy Spirit said, "You know, you can't cast your flesh and disciple a demon. You got to cast your demon and then disciple your flesh." So how? It's basically a principle of replacement. Instead of looking at something, I changed my focus. That's what David here is saying. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Why it's wicked? John uh, John Wesley. I don't know whether you know about John Wesley. John Wesley was, uh, um, was born under the family of 17, 19 people. And his mother was Susanna Wesley. She, she was born in the family of 27. Wesley literally transformed England. And this guy goes to his mom, Susanna, ask asks, Susanna, mom, tell me what is sin? And she gave one of the fabulous, fabulous description of sin. Anything that distracts you from the very call of God is sin. Anything that distracts you from the very call of God is sin. That's why here David says, "I will not set anything wicked." We think when it's wicked, we are thinking someone with a machete blowing, chopping few people's heads off, or you know, some Hugh Knifer or Chinggis Khan or you know, Hitler. That's what we think wicked. Wicked. In other words, very simply, anything that distracts us from the very call of God. Amen. Kapish. Okay, so number two, Proverbs 27, 10, 20 says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Lust will never satisfy. You keep looking, that's why people who are born, bought into, this, this, uh, into the issue of pornography, it will never satisfy. It will just keep on, it's a vicious cycle, it just keeps on going on and on and on. So what satisfies is the, is the pure love of God. This lady comes into this uh, Jesus at Samaritan's well. And she said, I'm, you know, John 4.18, it says the one that you have is not even your husband. You had five husbands. What she was doing, she was using relationship as a mean to s- fill that void. When God created each and every one as a void. Right? This void can never be filled by anything. You can never fill it with sex, salary, status. You can never fill it. We try it, we, we try. Even Christians try it. We try to fill it with salary. We try to fill it with status. We try to fill it with caste. We try to fill it with, you know, ministry. Even ministry cannot fill that void. Only the relationship with the Father can fill this void. And that's why you can be successful in ministry, still be depleting in your relationship with the Father. Make sense? So, uh, Matthew 5.28, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has been already committed adultery. We will come back to the verse in a moment. The progression of this is like this. Always it starts with look and then it's lust and then it leads to adultery. It's always there is a progression. The trajectory is towards upwards. It's always like this. Look, lust, adultery. So the guy, you are, suddenly you hear, oh, this pastor did a sin. It's not just he woke up one fine day and he ran away with, a, with an accountant. It's not like that. It's always a small, 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 small doors he has opened. That's why the Bible says, give no room to the devil. Give no foothold to the devil. In other words, you just, if you just compromise now, little by little, it will just grow in your life. Right? That's how it was in my own life i was the first introduced and i came home and i started telling my mom I, my mom my mom beat me you know they, in those days they have all those bamboo stick and my dad all the bamboo stick they beat my whack my butt like crazy and they said will you see it again will you see it again i said i won't see it because of the pain i said i won't see it but the next day i was looking at it but it's just because of the pain they didn't sat with me and explained what is this? Because it's a shameful thing to talk about it. But again, when I went to my friends, they're like, that's what people do. They don't know how to celebrate. That's why they are like this. So I started having a two-phase life. One is a holy church life, religious life, and then my world life until Jesus met me. And I'm free. And I could boldly say, you know, I'm free from This whole issue of pornography for the past 16, 17 years have no issues with that. I can walk with authority with that. I can say this boldly. God has set me free. And I would love to see that if we struggle, don't feel ashamed. Talk to someone. The more you are in the dark, you are as secret as you are in the dark. You understand? Revealing your feeling is the beginning of your healing. Amen. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of your healing. So the more you conceal, you won't be, get uh, delivered in that. So the second one, what are, what are some of the challenges of lust? What is lust? Lust will affect your family. Another lie of the enemy. If you look at it, if I keep my private lust within myself and don't commit adultery, it won't affect my family. This is what many people do. May, listen, I'm not talking about the people outside the church. I'm talking about people inside the church are struggling in this area. They will say, I, it's not a big deal. If I just do it privately, nobody, I'm not hurting my wife. I'm not really, you know, dishonoring her. I didn't leave her dumper and just run away with somebody. It's, it's still I'm committed. I'm paying the bill. I'm taking care of the kids. I'm going for holidays. I'm still going to church. But this is my stuff that as a man, I can just have my man needs. That's, that's the pits of hell. This is why the verse says, Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. There are two words here. If you're taking notes, circle those words, transgressions and iniquities. Why transgressions? Iniquity is an inward motivation. Transgression is an outward motivation movement. Let me repeat this again. Iniquity is an inward motivation. What is iniquity? Bible says the iniquity of the fathers is passed on to their children. So what does that mean? So your generational curse, how it comes? If if your father has been living an immoral lifestyle and that you have not cleansed it by the blood of Jesus, it kind of continues in your life. And uh, and that's one of the challenges I realized I need to break that thing. That's, so that's iniquity. Iniquity is the inward motivation. But then transgression or the other words, that means transgress means trespass. So when you pass some boundaries that God has set, which it literally means you are, you are an outward movement. You are stepping out of, the, out of the boundary that God has for you. That's why the Bible here very clearly says, he was wounded for our transgressions. What does that mean? When, when we have trespassed, he was wounded. What happens? The trespasses will be prosecuted. If you find some big, big fences, they will say trespasses will be prosecuted. So that's why. What is the prosecution? Jesus was wounded. He was wounded. He was bruised. Then he was bruised for our iniquities. Wound and bruise are two different things. Wound is a little deeper. Bruises, you can have a scratch on it. So that's the thing. You can, you can think, I'm just lusting, but it's not going to affect me. But then, it has consequences. It's always lust, look, lust, adultery. So we have to really address this openly. That's why, you know, uh, in the life groups or anywhere, if you find time... You can talk. You can share. We have a ministry team. You can find somebody and you can say, hey, I really need to overcome this. I don't know why. I'm having these thoughts. I have crazy thoughts. You know, when I look at a girl, I can't see her without lusting. You know, if I see, my eyes are going wandering everywhere. You know, it's easy to find a guy where his eyes are wandering. Then you will know. And this is a subject that hardly we talk about it in the church. But I believe if we talk... Then we have, at least we have broken the ice. We don't ignore the white elephant. At least we, there is a breathing space. Okay, finally, let's address these issues. Okay? Good? Okay, number three. So, lust will affect your relationship with God. We can never live an unholy life and expect God to show up heaven. In other words, we can't live like hell on Saturday and expect God to move like heaven on Sunday. It's impossible. Holiness is such a requirement. And holiness, again, it's such a taboo, humongous word because the church has misinterpreted holiness. Holiness in a sense like, oh, externals. God doesn't care about your externals. Okay? God cares is your heart. How is your heart? How is your mind? How is your attitude? How is your relationship? So it will affect your relationship with God. What are how you know that your relationship is affected? One way is your relationship with God will become routine and very traditional, very very dry, not exciting. You will just go read one chapter, close the Bible, do the prayer, regular prayer. You will start with an address, finish with one thing, you know, and it's, it's it's you know that it's it's not it's not exciting. And when 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 you, when you say uh, we give you all glory, honor, and praise. The Lord knows he's going to finish the prayer. He's going to wrap it up. Even though he wants to say something, you are, hey, I'm closing it up. And, and it, that's, that's a routine. You don't talk to daddy like that. You talk to daddy with a sense of excitement, with a sense of excitement. That means that every day Psalms 1, three says, you know, he's like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose tree, whose leaves does not wither, who yields this fruit in its season. What does that mean? When you are connected with God, you're always fruitful. When you are connected with God, there is no room for burnout. People who are burnout, they either run away from God or they run behind God. Or they don't have a relationship with God at all. That's one of the reasons why people feel burnout. Burnout is never designed by Father. You understand? I'm not talking about stress. Of course, we all have gone through stress, challenges, you know. But one of the realities is we really need to work on the area of being connected with God. Intimate relationship with God is a core ingredient for your survival. It's so important that... That in order for you to prosper in the world, you have to have a relationship with the Father. You can't survive on a corporate setting like this. This is good. Two hours a week we come, we experience God. That's beautiful. But this is not your everyday stuff. Every single day you got to go before the Father. And, And I sometimes hear people say, I'm not a morning person. I'm not a night person. I don't care you are a morning person or a night person. When you are in love, you do it. I was in love and I'm in love still more than when I met her 10 years ago with my wife. Uh, when she came from, she, that time she was working as a nurse and she would say, I would just come back and before I go to bed, I have a half an hour for you to spare. So she will finish at 10 o'clock shift, which is 1.30 here. And I would be like, okay, ready. 1.30, 1 o'clock I will get up, you know, put my gel because Skype, I have a listrine wash on my mouth as if Skype can detect your breath. And I'm ready. Hey baby, I'm ready. <clears throat> Clear up my throat and that's at 1.30 I'm ready, you know. But I'll be with my lungi but I won't show those things. But I'm here with my t-shirt tucked up. Because 1.30, my mom will be looking at 1.30, Lusa. She will ask, are you mental? But yes, mental, look, love looks crazy, isn't it? But that's the reality. Like, but when, we, when it comes to relationship with the father, we're like, ah, it's so boring. It's so, you know, it's so challenging. But I, that's why I would say, you know, when, when you are connected with the Lord, these things will actually, it won't be a big challenge so to have sexual impurity, impurity means you have also other stuff going on like lie, deception, manipulation, control, doubt, fear, unbelief. And Hebrews twelve fourteen says, make every effort to live in peace and with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. I wrote down here, we have developed an appetite that God never intended to have. That's what is lust is. God never intended, but we developed it. That's because of the fall of the glory of God in the, in the, in the Garden of Eden, you know? Number four, what happens? What is lust? Lust will affect your future. It will affect your future. Seriously, it will mess up your future. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen 19 says, The day I call heavens and earth as a witness against you, that I set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. It affects our future. So many people are bound up with that and they don't know what to do. Relationship after break, break after break. You know, one guy in a church, I will leave the name of the country, Uh, unnamed and uh, he went to his pastor. He said, I'm marrying for the fifth time. And the pastor asked, what's the problem? No, I'm doing it according to the Bible. I said, how come it's according to the Bible? It says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not a joke. It's a reality. So we kind of take the gospel. Can we make it ourselves? So that's where the hyper grace fellows fall into. Grace does not ignore sin. Grace empowers obedience. Amen. It's so important. You know, I, I, I'm not a religious freak. I love grace. But that does not mean I can just go freak around, do roam around, do be too full around everywhere. No. It's, you know, my, my relaxedness does not mean I am relaxed in other areas. Amen. Sometimes people think you have to be stiff outside so that you can be stiff inside. That's why they have all those stiffy clothes like popsicles but inside they are messed up. You can, you can still be relaxed outside and still walk in holiness. Amen. I want to, I want to create a, you know that's the desire of my heart that velour will be known for radical lovers of Jesus who walk in purity, who walk in holiness. They will be not looked like any, they won't when people come and hug anyone from Papa's house they won't smell any religiosity. But they will when they squeeze them, the love of Jesus is going to be oozing out of them. Amen, so we talked about lust, so I will give you a couple of points, and then we will pray together uh, i don 't want to invite anyone in the front because it's a shame culture or whatever, but we're all going to stand up and sing one worship song, and we 're going to minister to one another, and the Holy Spirit is going to touch us. so three choices we need to take in order for us in order for us to overcome uh, Lust or to have an uh, have a, have a, have a uh, healthy mind. It all starts with F. So it's easy to understand for us. Free your mind. Why? Because it all starts here as a thought. It comes to your mind as a thought. Look at this. It all starts. So free your mind. Feed your mind. Free your mind and focus your mind. Whatever it feeds, you feed in your mind, it grows. If you feed the junk... It grows into garbage. If you feed superfood, you get so powerful. If you feed you know poison, you eventually die. That's what it is. The junk there are superfood, there are junk food, and there are poison. Poison will take your life immediately. Junk food, you will slowly die. Superfood will make you live life longer. Which one you choose? That's why Deuteronomy 13:19 says, I have kept before you life and death. You choose. Sometimes we think, you know, when we just speak in tongues, it's going to go. Sudden things, speaking in tongues does not go. We have to make a deliberate choice. You understand? So sometimes we over-spiritualize it. Just, you know, I remember when I was 16, I was still battling. I went to this particular church. I won't name them. I went there to this pastor. I said, I am battling with lust. He said, kneel down, lift up your hands, pray in 40 minutes in tongues. I did. And then the next thing I did was watching something on the internet. So it's not like you would, you know, you would just pray and it will go. We have to actively put ourselves, you know, that's why it's, what books you are reading? What food are you eating? What friends you have? These three things tell you where you are going. If I ask you, hey, Jasmine, tell me your friends. Show me your books. Show me your wardrobe, like, I mean, not the wardrobe, the the kitchen cabinet. What do you have? What food you eat tells you how you're going to become. If you have lace chips, and you have all sorts of canned juices. Probably you won't grow taller, you will grow wider. Right? Okay. That's, that's how my life was. Like, and then what friends you have. You can say, well, I, need, I can have friends. God called us everyone to love. Everyone we have to love, everyone. Right? That's the reality. But not, you can't put everyone in your circle. There is a circle, we don't have a board here to write down. It's like you and God in that middle circle. The second one is you and your wife. The third one is you and your children. The fourth one, you and your family. The fifth one, you and your friends. The sixth one, you and your ministry. The seventh one, you and your acquaintances. And the eighth one, you and Osama Bin Laden. Right? And if you put Osama Bin Laden in the circle with you, all it's going to be explored. And that's what happened. Many times people just put somebody inside and then it's exploded. You are call to love everyone, but not everyone be part of your inner circle. It's important that you draw your circle because whoever comes closer to you, two things happen. Either you influence them or they influence you. And if you're weak, they're going to be influencing you. And we are not always strong. So we have to choose friends. Where are we going to share? How are we going to share? So choose friends. Choose your food and what books you're e- reading. You know, and I know people love to read, some of them reading novels and stuff like that. It's not a bad thing, but where is taking you? Where is it taking you? Is it taking you closer to Jesus? You know, read stories, read stuff that can really take you one step higher. You know, when I was in 2015, and now I'm looking back, in in being in 2017, looking back at 2015, I should say, Lord, I thank you that in those two years, I read like, these books that help me get. And people sometimes say, I never read any book brother, only Bible. Okay, but why are you are still depressed if you read just Bible? That's a mean way of saying despising the wisdom of the others. You understand, that's not how a kingdom person talks. kingdom person looks at the diamond in everyone and take, you know, celebrates that. So those are the three things, feed your mind and the second one is free your mind. You know, just how do you free your mind? The Bible says in Romans 12, which says, renew your mind, renew your mind, be connected with people that can speak life to you. If you hang out with in a salon for a long time, eventually you're going to get a haircut. That's the reality. You can't go to a pub and say, I'm going to just drink orange juice. That doesn't exist. My, your friend will say, orange juice is not good. Just add a little bit of vodka. It will make you better. You will be strong. Look how cold it is. You, do you want to feel warm? And then you end up going drinking orange juice, but came out drunk. Get wasted. That's why you have to find intentionally. These are things God has given us. You know, I don't know five billion cells. I don't know. There's so much stuff inside. God has given in your brain. You have to use that. That's what I like. What Ravi Doctor Dr. Ravi Sakriya says. You know, uh, if I have a lot of money, I would take an helicopter and draw a big. Uh, you know that you know words where you can fly over, and you can draw. Let the Christians think. You know, sometimes we, we Christians, we don't think. We think it's just spirit is important. But sometimes spirit is important. Yes, true. We, we do. We are a spirit being. We have a soul. We live in a body. That's true. But sometimes we need to use our mind. We need to exercise wisdom. We need to connect with people. We need to share, hey, how I can free my mind, transforming myself by the renewing of my mind, you know, so that we can connect with people, share, hey, this is my challenge. How can I grow? You know, be part of a group, be part of somewhere that can take you one step further third one is focus your mind in other words you pay attention to what your needs are and 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 pay and feed that you know if your if your mind is craving for certain thing usually it's a loneliness you know it's a, a sub product that makes you feel like you know i was i was in the ministry but i was also very lonely so what i did was i started taking food as a substitute. We have to deal our flesh. We can't cast our flesh and disciple the demon. It's impossible. So, those are the three things. You may ask this, okay, how do I really know this is the challenge for me? This is a lust that's really battle for me. It starts always like this. It starts with a desire. The second one, it starts with a doubt. Third one, then it becomes a deception. And fourth, it becomes a disobedience. It all starts with a desire. Hey, That's how he, she looked at it. It was looked good. It's a desire. Then the devil asked, do, do you really think God said not to eat it? And she said, God said not even to touch it. God didn't say not to touch it. It was Adam's fault not to communicate properly. You understand? So, it's a doubt, desire, doubt, and then deceived. Deception is very much deceiving. And then deceive it. Once you are deceived, you live in disobedience. That's why people who are deceived, you tell them, hey man, this girl is not for you. They won't, never. They will will say, no, this is the girl, Lord. This is the Lord gave me this girl. No, we, we tell them, hey, this doesn't work. It's not work for you. You know, I remember I lived like that. You know. But listen. My point is this. I was under deception. And that deception I lived in disobedience. And I try to convince everyone that I am walking in the ways of the Lord. When you are in deception, nobody, everyone is wrong except you. That's, That's how deception says. Everyone is wrong. You are right. But that's that's why we have to really overcome this, these four stages. And what happens when we walk, which starts with a desire, then into your doubt, then deception, then finally disobedience. What happens when we go through this? Finally, we live a lifestyle of defeat. That's it. We live a lifestyle of defeat. And sadly, many Christians live a defeated lifestyle. But actually, God has called us to live to, to make the enemy defeat. No feet defeated. Amen. But we are living a defeated lifestyle. That's why the world looks at us and says, Oh, you are saying you are a Christian, but you are as messed up as me. You are as broke as me. You are as sinful as me. In fact, I am actually a little better than you. On the top you are depressed. I know you your God. This is the reality. That's why the pews are empty, pubs are full. I don't know whether you watch the movie uh, Sister Act. It was a very old movie that came. And, and the Hoofy Goldberg, she says, why the church is empty and the pubs are full? Because the church, they present the real thing in an unreal way. And the pubs, they present the unreal thing in a real way. Watch that movie. It's a very beautiful movie, Sister Act. And she, is, she used to be a pub singer and she goes to the church and then she, was, she needs to be there as a witness protection and then she gives her life to the Lord and then she revives the entire church by bringing her talents. But look at our church. Sometimes, sometimes the body of Christ is so defeated, the world looks at us and say, well, I'm better than you, but that's going to change. We will be the radical lovers of Jesus. It will translate in our lifestyle. Our families will be set above all the families. We will be an example to the rest of the families. Our choices will reflect the kingdom of God. Amen? The way you live is going to bring an in the eyes of other people. People are going to look at you and say what are you doing? How come you can live like this? Then it points to Christ. Amen? So let's bring this all before God and we'll see one more